Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Eric Robinson and Kevin Diebler, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks, Mark. Eric Robinson and Kevin Diebler are co-founders of Rody Architects based in Boston, Massachusetts. Today, we're going to talk about launching Rody Architects back in 2006, their approach and vision for their firm of architects and designers and urban planners, and their unwavering belief that great design has the power to transform our environment. Um, this, is a, this is an episode about these guys and this architecture firm and how they started it and where they are today. And so this is going to be a fun one. Uh, for you listeners who like origin stories and like you know to, to hear the backgrounds on on architecture firms, those are very uh, always very popular episodes. Um, but before we jump into the firm, I want to learn more about each of you. I want to know your origin stories. So go back, each of you, to uh, where you started architecture. Who inspired you to become an architect? Where did you learn about architecture? Share that story to where you are today. Um, and I'll start with Kevin, and then we'll move over to, uh, to Eric. Yeah. All right. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, Mark. Uh, excited to have this this conversation, and um, I uh, obviously uh, probably have given this a little bit of thought about how uh, how have become an architect and and uh, how we've gotten ourselves into this uh, position we are today of uh, running a successful firm and. Um, growing firm. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, as, as each architect kind of probably has a personal story, uh, you know, uh, it's fun to, fun to share it and think about it as, as I have been. And, uh, you know, I think it really kind of comes back to my, uh, parents and, and, uh, uh, both my mom and dad were, um, you know, supportive, uh, of just me, you know, like, uh, doing something that I love, especially my, uh, my mother. But as we sort of moved around the country with my dad was a hospital administrator, um, we were kind of moving all the time, five times before I graduated high school. Um, I think that my, uh, mom kind of saw something in the, in how I was, uh, always preoccupied with creative things and drawing. And, um, she sort of like always, got me into art classes and uh, I just was always enjoying myself 
you know, being in that in that space and creating um, and uh, sort of seeing that, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, my dad is a very career motivated person. You kind of grow up thinking you're on some kind of track and uh, uh, fortunate enough to be able to um, think about that. And, and while he think probably wanted me to be a lawyer, uh, I wanted to do something that was more uh, meaningful to me. And uh, I think, uh, again, I always put this, uh, my mom was always pushing me to do something constructive, no matter what I was doing. I felt like wrecking things in the yard. She was like, go do something constructive. And, uh, you know, so um, sort of implanting that sense of creativity and, and, and being a part of uh, making things. And um, it was a very enjoyable place and space. And uh, when we ended up in North Carolina, um, that was in high school, starting to kind of like really choose where I would go to college. I had already decided I wanted to be an architect, even way before that, an embarrassingly long time before that. Do you, uh, do you remember what it was that introduced you to architecture that you knew you wanted to be an architect? Um, I, I just sort of felt like uh, seeing, um, I, I, don't, I don't really know where the spark of it is. And, and I do think that there was this little, you know, maybe my dad said, well, you could be an architect. And, yeah. and like, uh, but like I just seeing these like images of models and you know, being, being uh, like seeing people make things as complex as cities happen through modeling and through, you know, this, this idea of stepping back and, and actually, you know, seeing that that's how things were created by, by um, this process of like uh, creativity and, and, uh, I think even in high school, my art teacher showed us a video with Le Cru, Le Cru, uh, Corbusier, um, which from a, for a high school student to just see how he, he evolved as a, you know, from an artist and into an architect uh, was just kind of mind blowing to me. So it, it added a, a more mystery. And uh, I think, uh, you know, getting into the whole at, 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 at some point when I was in North Carolina, the, this idea of NC State as a as a program was very challenging to to get into. You had to have yeah. a portfolio. You kind of had to show your creative chops, and I I was really challenged by that. And um, I was happy to not you know go to UNC. Um, and uh, like everyone else in my high school class was trying to get into, and uh, I was like, no, there's this like really cool program at at NC State School of Design. Um, and it, it, it just seemed like an accomplishment to get in. And then, and then it was another tier of, uh, you know, learning and, and rigor and, and discipline that, uh, that's where, you know, we'll, we'll get into how, how we met, but, um, that was, uh, you know, I guess, you know, hitting a threshold was, was getting into a school of design. And then I, I think from there, it was just like really enjoying it and enjoying the challenge, enjoying the collaboration with other people. Studio culture then became a thing um, of like talking to your classmates and getting ripped to shreds by your professors and, and supporting each other in the, in the studio um, was a really kind of wonderful experience. And our, our friends from those periods are, uh, you know, still very much influential in our, uh, in our lives and, and how we, uh, think about the, our careers, you know? Um, and, uh, I think just after that, um, I, I kind of wanted to maybe, um, as much as I loved it, get out of North Carolina and, and find a, a city to, to practice in. And, uh, um, the, uh, um, experiences in North Carolina were, were enriching, but, uh, finding your first firm after graduation, um, ended up in, in Boston, um, and, uh, worked for a number of different, uh, firms, um, and really kind of like sort of soaking up the professional culture in a way, um, yeah. through a, a series of different, uh, stints at different firms and, um, seeing a variety of different scales, uh, of work being done and, um, you know, being part of, you know, just seeing how these firms ran, um, was probably started to kind of like tweak that little piece of, uh, entrepreneurial nature. And, yeah. um, I ended up getting my, uh, MBA, um, part-time because a little dissatisfied by, 
um, you know, the kind of training that I got in that. And, uh, um, that was, you know, also, um, you know, gave, gave me a little confidence about, uh, how businesses run and, and, you know, um, how my clients think and, and how, um, a lot of the world operates. So, um, that, uh, really, I guess was the sort of foundation to, to, to where we are. All right. Excellent. Um, and so you guys met at NC state. Yes. 1990. Um, in a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a that just, that just uh, blew my, yeah, blew yeah. my brains away. Before, Thank you for reminding uh, us how old we are. Before COVID. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, was pure in our teens, I guess. So Eric, sh share your story and then I'd like to hear uh, how you guys met. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I guess I have to like pull out the way back machine and think yep. about this a little, but you know, I think probably I grew up in Northern Virginia in the Alexandria area. Um, my dad was the very hard worker and he worked on Capitol Hill and, but he always had this sort of uh, gene in him to, we always worked on the house, always worked on the house. Like he would come home and we would be, you know, putting in skylights or re-roofing. And, you know, we, we were kids. I mean, I was like 10 or 12. My brother was a little bit older and we'd be up on the roof pounding nails. And so I, I think there was just sort of this, this natural kind of understanding of how things go together and this sort of act of building. Um, was always in my life. I didn't know it at the time. You know, we just, my dad was getting free labor out of his kids. I mean, that's really what it, <laughs> That sounds <laughs> like my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I went into high school and took the sort of typical, you know, BTD, basic technical drawing classes from, I would say, the sort of, you know, this is going to sound mad, you know, <laughs> the, the, the people that teach in high school at those courses. And I had an amazing teacher my first year, Mr. Gottschalk. I'll never forget him. He was unbelievable. And then, like, I took BTD2, and I had a, a guy named uh, Mr. Adam Usko, and he was a, just a horrible man. <laughs> and, um, you know, he and I just kind of, fought a lot. And I was certainly, you know, I did painting classes and, and sort of a little bit more on the artistic side in terms of like what I enjoyed doing as well. And he was a sort of a hard liner kind of, you know, everything had to be rectilinear and he and I just battled. I mean, and it was horrible. And I remember one day he just said, you'll never amount to anything. You're not going to be an architect. And it was a little bit of that, that, that sort of, you know, he kind of like spurred me on a bit and, um, and then graduated from high school, didn't really think about being an architect again, to be honest. And it was just kind of a foul feeling in me. Um, and I went to um, actually UNC Greensboro. So I went down to North Carolina, needed a, diff a sort of different scene from Northern Virginia, um, went to sort of general school, I guess, or general college. And I ended up taking an art class. And uh, the professor there, who I actually can't remember, but he said, hey, have you ever thought about being an architect and kind of told the whole story? And he said, you should apply to NC State, actually. And, and they have a great program there. I didn't know anything about it. And um, I, I transferred in my second year from UNCG to NC State into the design program. And, um, you know, it, it was similar, like I had to put a portfolio together and it was like, you know, I had like collages from when I was a kid and it was weird. It was a weird portfolio, but it was, it was a design based portfolio. Right. And, um, you know, went there, had an amazing, um, four years at, um, at state and then, uh, worked, uh, in Richmond, Virginia for three years, um, kind of after my undergraduate and then, um, just decided I need to go back to school cause I only had a four year degree, obviously. And, went to UVA uh, for grad school and uh, went into that program. And it, it, it was an amazing program of sort of, you know, thinking about design and, and sort of in a different way. Um, and then I had a visiting professor uh, that came to the school that was uh, Charles Rose and Marianne Thompson from Thompson and Rose Architects. They were visiting down um, uh, for a semester and, um, didn't know actually who they were, um, didn't know anything about them. And, and frankly, I couldn't get in other classes and I was put in that studio, um, kind of a little bit sort of dragging my heels because I just didn't know. And we ended up, um, they brought a, a, a real project to studio, which was a, a, a camp in Wyoming 
for um, underprivileged kids out of South Central LA that was going to be funded by the Coca-Cola uh, Enterprises. And it was an actual project that his office and, and her office, they were working on up here in Boston. And, um, you know, we went out to Wyoming and we had this sort of amazing kind of opportunity as a studio. And um, that was in the fall. And then, you know, they left and he said, if you're graduating and you don't know what you want to do, give me a call. I'll give you a job in Cambridge. And um, I laughed a little bit and I said, I'm never going to New England, you know, <laughs> my wife's from North Carolina. And, and um, you, know, you know, when you get to graduation time, you're sort of like, oh, wait, I got a job or, you know, I don't. So I came up here, interviewed at a bunch of places, and then I ended up taking a job with Charlie and Marianne and, and spent 10 years with them. Um, and, you know, we were doing kind of work all over the country, nothing, um, in Boston at all. I mean, re really the closest thing was some work on the vineyard and some other things. And, um, I was sort of tired of traveling and working all over the country. It was great experience, a great office. We were doing amazing work, but, um, my, I had some family, my father passed away and, I had young kids and I was traveling a lot. And I mean, that was kind of the spark that really was in my brain of like, I got to change my professional life and, you know, um, said I need to change. And I was working too much and traveling too much. And, uh, you know, really the result was kind of Kevin and I said, you know, said, Hey, what if we give this a shot kind of thing? And, you know, and we really, that's kind of how it sort of, the initial kind of like spark. We were still friends. We hadn't worked together in a professional environment, um, but we had uh, kept in touch um, quite a bit. Um, we, uh, my wife and I bought a house in a, in a neighborhood of, of Boston and um, that I would say was, was up and coming at the time, 21 years ago into Dorchester. And, um, you know, one of our neighbors on the street uh, said, I'm moving. Do you know anybody who wants to buy the house? And of course my, you know, brain went off and I was like, I got the perfect sucker. And <laughs> next thing I know, Kevin's moving in two doors down from me. And, um, you know, and we just had a sort of uh, that, that sort of street relationship, right. And that's sort of built off of a, a personal relationship. And, and, you know, that's, that's kind of where a couple of years later, that's where we hatched. And, so uh, you, st you still live two doors down from one another? Uh, no, we live like uh, a quarter of a mile from one another. So real close. But, uh, Kevin left me. Kevin yeah, left me. Right. Moved off the street. Um, <laughs> Abandonment. He abandoned me, but uh, we're still very close. And you know, I think that um, the the one thing you know, we Kevin had it bought a two family, and we sort of like cleaved off a single room in the two family in his apartment, rented apartment, and we were that's where we started. We were in a tiny little room, like looking at each other with nothing to do and um, no real work to be, you know, to be <laughs> that we had, but we just knew we needed a change in our own lives. And, and, you know, we liked each other a lot and we respected each other as, as people. And um, we said, let's just give this a try. And, and, you know, it was, yeah. it really started there. Um, uh, you know, as Kevin says, we violated all those sort of aspects of, you know, never start a business with a friend and all the things that, you know, go with that. But um, I think it's, 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 you know, it's been a hard 15 years um, in some ways, but it's also, you know, I think you, you want to be uh, in challenging situations with people you respect and want to be able to. Maybe we, we should change that now to start a business with the right friend. Yeah, maybe that's true. Uh, exactly. The more positive way to like think about it of like it's a good idea, but it has to be the right friend. Let's take a break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. As architecture demand increases toward pre-pandemic levels and beyond, how are you and your architecture firm keeping up? RCAT is here to help. RCAT.com offers several free tools to help architecture and design firms like yours get work done faster. Use RCAT's powerful search engine to find the right products for your projects and download BIM, CAD, and specifications right there on the same page without needing to pay or register. It's free. RCAT.com also offers product videos, catalogs, green reports, product certification information, 
outline and short form specification generation, and so much more. Visit RCAT.com today. RCAT.com is your one-stop solution to help increase your productivity and get more projects done faster. That's RCAT.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with financial reports, communication, and notifications. My favorite feature in FreshBooks is the automated invoice reminders. I think sending invoices and getting paid is one of the biggest barriers to our success as entrepreneur architects. Who has the time? But if we don't send out the invoices, we don't get paid, right? FreshBooks makes it easy to send out your invoices and get paid fast online with a click of a button. And when your client doesn't pay you on time, FreshBooks will send them a friendly email reminder through a simple system that you control. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Go to entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Yeah. So, so when you, when you hear, when you hear your story, it, it, it sounds like destiny, <laughs> you know, when, when you you end up in North Carolina together at NC state, um, and then you, you graduate, were you in the same year? So did you, yes. did you, okay. So you went well, through school together. Like Eric, Eric was able because of his UNCG, yep. um, he, uh, and this is what's tough about the studio and, and NC State is that it's it's very, I mean, you only care about your studio. It's like, yeah. I think it's like six credits and, and then yeah. all the rest of them add up to like nine. And, and like, so you're just like concentrating on that. And then there's like math and calculus and like right. English you got to take. Eric had already kind of like done all those. So he could just <laughs> sit back in his studio and like, only like concentrate on that and um here's this guy of like you know just kind of coasting in and uh no he was not coasting he was taking it very wow seriously. i didn't realize he was harboring these feelings for me i don't i've never heard yeah. him say that but it is he's it's, he is true it is i, I uh, it's, it's a tough it's, and that's what as you say everyone who's like an engineer or something they're like oh man those designers they're um they're always tired and like you know strung out and like um, you know, that's just brutal. Why would you do that? Like, it was just the most asinine career you could choose. And, uh, um, I think that, um, you know, you, it was just a pure, like passion being in the studio and then making sure that you showed up, uh, every Friday with the project that you're proud of, that you really worked hard on. And, and your even your, your friends and colleagues would rip you apart if you didn't actually bring your full a game of yourself. So, um, I, I obviously was, you know, um, but Eric was always available to go hang out or, like, you know, like party or like whatever, you know, situation was happening. And, and I think a lot of the friendship kind of grew in that situation. Um, and, uh, you know, it, um, you know, just being, you know, uh, more friends than we were like designer, uh, you know, um, partners in that sense. Um, and, uh, I think when we, um, started, you know, ended up in Boston at the same time. It was cool and, and, and great. And, uh, and, and the way we were working at different firms was, was just different. We had different experiences. I was starting to really get into projects in Boston and, um, you know, the development, um, community and, and situation here. And, um, I think that, uh, we, when we started, we, I wouldn't say, necessarily had a plan other than, you know, <laughs> trying to, uh, I think our first plan was to try to be the best architects in our neighborhood where there weren't any like really, um, I guess sort of innovative design, not a lot of design was happening. It was just more like, well, what could we possibly build here? And, um, we were, um, you know, thinking that we could take this neighborhood that's sort of up and coming and, and, provide something um 
to you know the development community that was maybe a little bit different than what was out there um and that um i think started to um open a lot of eyes for you know folks that were you know um starting to kind of invest in in that in that neighborhood so 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 eric share a little bit about what the firm looks like today give us some context uh employees types of projects what is what does roadie architects do now so um, we do a lot. Um, so we, I think we're just about, I should probably know this, but I think we're at 30 people now. So, um, which is probably, you know, I'm putting out of my mind because I can't believe we're of that sort of scale at this point. And um, so, you know, we have a, 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 an amazing team. Uh, Kevin and I obviously are the principal owners, but, you know, we have associates and sort of all the aspects of it. We have... Um, uh, full interiors on staff. We have four interior designers on staff and um, they are, you know, we, 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 we're all just designers actually. And so they're integrated into all of our project teams. Um, so it's, it's really seamless. We're all in one big studio um, space. It's just like at, at NC State, you know, we're all in the same room, no offices. Um, it's, it's loud. It's, you know, you're exposed, you're, but you're also part of a, a big collaborative kind of group that's, you know, moving in a similar direction. And, and um, so, you know, the, the ethos of the firm is, and in terms of the culture is really, is a, we're a collaborative design firm um, that, you know, puts that in sort of the front end of the sort of our efforts. And, and, and you know, we're just really problem solvers at the end of the day. And we're, we're sort of doing that. So, um, you know, we, the project, types um we have certainly typology but again we, we think of ourselves as designers and we can tackle any project but we are working you know the city of boston right now is really going through a, a massive you know uh, kind of building boom it's still you know and it's it's really the is in the multifamily residential world is is sort of a big chunk of our work right now and they those projects range from small um, we're doing even a couple of single families right now. Um, and then it goes all the way up to almost one is almost a million square feet in terms of the master plan of it all. And so, you know, we run the gamut between. So we, we're everywhere in between in terms of the multifamily. Um, we do a ton of restaurant hospitality work. Um, and that that could be, uh, you know, just an interior fit out of a restaurant space, or it could be part of a, one of our larger buildings. Um, and then we also do hotels um, on top of that. So we do the full building with the restaurant. So we're doing that. Uh, we're doing um, industrial projects is sort of a, been a, a new kind of uh, development over the handful of a couple of years. And um, that's been amazing to sort of see uh, how these really, I would say large, large boned buildings need to sort of live in an urban fabric. Um, very interesting and challenging in a lot of ways. Um, but as Kevin has coined the term, you know, the cities need these places. So we need to figure out how to get them in into the, the context of our, you know, of our city. And, and so that's been exciting. Um, what else did I miss any? I mean, um, no, and, and we're um, starting to uh, sort of, um, you know, look at areas outside of Boston too, um, that, uh, makes sense to us like North Carolina and yep. Washington DC and, and all over new England, um, are, uh, places where, you know, we have, we have our origins and our, our contacts and meaningful, uh, ways to sort of relate to these places. Um, and, you know, I think that we've really seen the, uh, the way that we can um, jump into a, a typology like multifamily residential and, and try to figure out how it, it fits into um, into communities and, and work through the process of building these things. And um, I, I think that it has led to, I think our, our enthusiasm to, to grow has, has created great relationships with our clients. And um, that's a, that's a real, key piece to our, our growth is, is, um, making sure that, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's not all typology based, but it's, um, it's opportunity based. And it's, uh, one of those opportunities is, is the client relationship and making sure that, um, we're worthy of one another 
client and architect kind of situation. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're really trying to, uh, work hard right now on, on assessing what, what's right for roadie architects and, and what's right for these, uh, clients that are, are finding us and, um, you know, talking to us about some work and, um, you know, so, uh, right now it's just a, you know, a, a mix of, uh, of kinds of work and it's, it's pretty exciting to, to see. So a successful firm, you know, it's it's doing lots of different work. You're looking to expand into different regions. Uh, clearly, you know, you have a, a, a staff of architects and designers and urban planners. Um, you know, it's when you look at your work, it's clear that design is a high priority. Um, but how much you you mentioned earlier, Kevin, that you uh, have your MBA. How how much do you think that success has come from what you've learned as it, with your MBA? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, be honest, be honest. Yeah. Be honest. Be honest. <laughs> Every bit of it, man. I own this whole thing. No, 100%. no, I think it's, uh, I'll say zero, but that's a great. Yeah. See right in the middle. 50, 50. Yeah. Uh, that's but, why I ask. <laughs> no, we, uh, I, I think it's just like, I think I said it was just some confidence to sort of like yeah. Yeah. see the business has something that can be, uh, thought about in iterations and, and think about it as like a feasibility study, think about the business in a creative sense. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm really inspired now about like different people starting different kinds of businesses. And, you know, that, that's takes as much guts as getting out there and being an architect probably way more actually. Um, and, uh, I think that, um, it, it, it was really just, uh, probably, maybe the only thing it did was give Eric some kind of like false sense of confidence. We're like, do this thing. Oh, this guy's got his MBA. We could, no. we could start it up. But, he uh, thought he was just going to hook his trailer to you. No, <laughs> actually, you know, I, I, I mean, we, 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 you know, talk about it, but I think, you know, I probably came from that sort of like the side of the architectural world. You know, I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know anything about sort of, um, you know, uh, multipliers and sort of the stuff, right. That makes, I mean, we're running a business at the end of the day, we just happen to be doing design work. And I think, you know, Kevin, maybe he did give me a false sense of the security on it, but he, he, you know, he, he drilled into my head early and it was not easy. And I, and I thank him for the, the first 10, 12 years of it, but, um, you know, like you can run a successful business, and you know do design work and we can be profitable and we can do these things and we just need to you know just need to do them right and it's it's you know it wasn't that kevin was doing invoicing and all the sort of that part of the business end of it it was more like he was had the sort of eyes on the horizon for us as a business like hey we can do this let's get this stuff in order and kind of like think about it you know the trajectory of it from a business standpoint and you know we we want to we we did want to be those architects and designers that actually paid ourselves and try to make money and support a firm you know we we didn't ever want to build it on the backs of interns that don't get paid and all that stuff we just you know that wasn't why we started this business we started the business because we wanted a place that we could practice design work we could have an awesome culture because we just wanted to hang out together and we also wanted to do good work. I mean, and you know, that's, that's kind of the core of it in, in a lot of ways. It's not super complicated. It's just, you know, you just kind of mind the shop and, and Kevin's right. Like we, we talk about roadie as one of our projects, right? It, it's, it's, we're always working on it and sometimes we're better working on, you know, in, in areas and sometimes we need more work. And, but I think what we're always trying to do is think about the business and think about what it is and how to sort of make sure we're being nimble and sort of thoughtful about our process while we're still doing design work. And, you know, I think we're, we're sort of in a, I would say a transitional moment for the firm, but we are kind of like personally, Kevin and I are, you know, the lights are staying on right now. Um, you know, we have, as uh, we talk about inertia and we have momentum right now, we have an amazing staff that's really carrying us <laughs> now. And, you know, and but now it's our job to sort of refocus uh, a little bit of the where the firm is going, strategically plan it, 
Um, what do we want to do as, as human professionals and like our own careers and our own lives? You know, what do we need to do? Um, how do we not get stuck in the sort of rat race of this, the cycle of the wheel? And, you know, and those are all things that you got to spend time on and think about and, 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 and disagree about and, and sort of talk about and challenge each other about. And, um, you know, I think it goes back to that sort of the, the early studios where we, we have a personal respect for each other. And, you know, we, we think differently, we, we sort of talk differently, we work differently. Um, but sure as hell, at the end of the day, we respect each other for what we are. And, you know, that's what I think a successful business takes. And it's, it's, it's not always easy. I mean, and we do have some amazing moments too. And, and, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, I guess some way another marriage and, 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 you know, you got to work on it and if you're not working on it, then, you know, it's going to, it's going to fail. I mean, so I think it's just one of those things that we both take seriously. And, and, you know, I, I sort of give Kevin the credit for kind of making sure we're thinking about that. And, you know, um, so yeah, I, I I think those business fundamentals are critical, and I think it's often missing in architecture firms, which is why, as a profession, many of us struggle. Yeah, um, well, because we we're not applying those with, basics. Right? We fall in love with what we're doing, right. and we fall in love with what we're doing too. But we're also like trying to understand our multipliers and our and our billing and our what is our invoicing and what and you know we 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 feel like if we have that under control, which is I don't want to say mundane, but it's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a, every month we got a bill, every month we got a collector. And if we've come up with protocols and a, pro, a plan that that can almost be on cruise control, it's not because we have amazing project managers and a CFO and other people that help us. But if you can take care of that business and then you get more time to spend on the projects and design right. and sort of that aspect, of it, then that's, you're winning right there. I mean, that's a, that's a winning recipe. So, um, but again, it's not, it takes work. I mean, it takes work and we mine the shot pretty closely and we think about it and, um, but you know, so far so good. So what does the future look like? What is it, you know, when you look at five or 10 years from now, uh, what does roadie architects look like? <laughs> Whoa. I'm, I'm probably on for that one, right? Yeah, go. Um, no, I, I, Think it's going to be really exciting um uh right now we're kind of in that process as eric said of uh you know i think um it, it's it's exciting it's i'm going to say it's going to be mostly about the people that we have on our staff right now growing and uh and doing amazing things and um and certainly there's some you know transition in our mind in the back of our mind and how that's going to work and um i think um you know we don't want to be um, you know, personally, like the, the classic architects that die at their desk and the cloud <laughs> of dust, you know, and um, I think we really want to, um, you know, engineer the next, you know, five to 10 years of our own lives and in finding projects that are like meaningful to us and meaningful to the team and um, figuring out ways to do them in a way that continues some manner of growth. And, and we've already kind of like indicated there's there's probably a little bit of growth outside of Boston that um, that, that may, um, again, sort of like help us, uh, establish that future. Um, but I, you know, I think that we're, we're, you know, being critical about how, how big we could get. Um, we're, um, being, you know, very cautious about, uh, growth at this point. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think it's just, you know, hopefully anybody who looks at us and even if we look at our own work, you know, you kind of see these, these steps starting to happen. And, um, I think that, you know, we're doing today are, are one of our biggest projects yet. And, uh, and, and you look five years ago, we were doing our biggest project then. And, and, um, you know, I think that, um, it's going to be a, um, you know, I think a future of being selective about our opportunities and, um, really kind of like making sure the the process is something we can still improve on um, project to project. And, um, you know, we don't want to get to a point where Eric and I don't really know what's going on with the, with the work or anybody who's leading the firm, um, is not intimately involved with details about projects and, and things like that. That's a, that's a tough place to, to be for, you know, uh, it's a tough thing to want 
as a as an architect who's trying to sort of grow and transition um, to kind of balance that of like finding out how to still be involved but let some things kind of happen on their own and uh, that um, is I think where Eric and I are at right now is as uh, our own architects and our own business owners uh, how do you kind of let someone else run the shop and uh, and still be proud of it um, because uh, we're proud of it because we see it happening every day. We see the challenge that people go through. Um, we see folks getting really excited about things and, um, we, we want to maintain that kind of like vibe here, um, as long as possible. Yeah. Much like you having to understand those fundamentals of business in order to succeed, you also need to recognize that in order for the, the firm to continue yeah. beyond the two of you, that there needs to be some fundamental planning in place in order for that to happen. Um, so yeah, sounds like, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and I think, you know, we know we at least we've recognized that that that's going to take a real amount of time. It's not like we can turn around and, right. you know, and, and get somebody to buy the firm for us. So, you know, we, we, we've always believed that, you know, roadie is a legacy firm, I guess, for lack of a term where, yep. you know, and, and we want that. We, you know, we, we love our staff. I mean, they're amazing. Our senior staff is awesome. And, you know, we want to be able to have them sort of move this on once we're moved on. And, you know, I think that takes some real planning and, you know, that is really where we are in that five to 10 is like, okay, what, you know, we're talking to ourselves and each other, of course, but what do we want out of this, right. For the next yeah. 10 years. And, and, you know, and it's, they're tough decisions. I mean, and they're tough sort of uh, things, but if, as long as, you know, you got to talk about them and figure out how to deal with them. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a, sort of a, a great moment in a lot of ways. And um, you know, we love it and we love working on it and it's not always easy and it's painful, but it's, you know, again, it has the sort of rewards of accomplishing something that's, it's been pretty awesome. So it's amazing. So, as we wrap up here, I want you to share some advice. Um, you're talking to a bunch of small firm architects, lots of sole practitioners, small firms. Many of them want to grow firms like yours. Uh, what would you say is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Um, I think we've already kind of laid a little bit of it out there. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I wouldn't necessarily say you have to go get an MBA, but uh, it was um, it was very useful to to get, you know, um, get things in place that uh, are kind of like nuts and bolts and, and things that shouldn't require a lot of drama or overthinking of like, you know, insurance and like maybe a little help on your billing. There's all sorts of things that are out there for uh, freelancers to rely on that really there's amazing tools out there. Um, I think you need to do that while staying very passionate about the, the work that you're doing and staying engaged and, um, and, and staying, um, involved in it enough that you, um, resonate with your clients. And, you know, um, if you can't really like spend enough time, to answer your phone of your client and, and talk and, and solve problems and, and things like that, um, that are just part of the industry, um, then uh, you're probably not gonna go very far. Um, and uh, I think that uh, our, our relationship, um, our focus, I think, um, has, has led to a very robust referral network. And uh, I'm not gonna say we don't have to do anything and work will just come in, we really do chase work a lot of times, but, um, it, uh, it, it's much better if you have at least the security of, of some things like that, of building on your reputation and, and getting others to speak about you. Um, and, uh, and, and be, and, and be your, you know, marketing machine that's on its own. Um, so I guess it's sort of like a, a, a two-part thing of like really locking down some of the fundamentals and, um, you know, don't overthink, you know, billing, you got to get it out every month. You know, that's one of the, uh, uh the natures of, of it is don't let that stuff go. You know, you got to separate time and, and focus on that. 
um, think about your business like it's a project and um, uh, be critical of it, but um, know that you got to move on at some point and, and you know, um, but. Yeah, I, I mean, those are, I think that's right. And, you know, I think we, we do focus very highly on, on our clients. I mean, I, you know, I, I, we, we talk about design. It's obviously what we, you know, on our website and all things that go with it, but we're really, I mean, in a, in the weird way, we're a service firm that just can do some kick-ass design and, you know, that's crucial to us. And we love the personal relationships of our clients. We love that they can call us. They do call us and we, we answer and we take care of that business um, and, you know, and I think we also, um, I think thinking and being sort of uh, thoughtful about what we do as designers and how we can sort of utilize our skill set um, for the better is, is sort of a piece I think we've, we've really kind of relied on. And, and you know, and, and the ways that we do that are, again, a service based or thinking about our clients. But if a client calls us and says, hey, I'm looking at a site, I'm looking at this, or can you give me an idea about this? We're like, absolutely. We will do it more more than likely. We're doing it free pro bono because we want to sort of work with them to under you know create some value for them and sort of establish. And if it's a, a new client who was referred to us, we'll do it as well because we're building a relationship with them. I'd much rather spend a couple hours drawing and thinking about some site or whatever it might be. Give it to them. Say, hey, if this helps you, great. If it doesn't whatever we created a relationship here and built something together even if it was small and so you know we really do um you know sort of respect our clients we we love where they come from they're all we think they're experts in their field as long as they respect us for what we do and you know and i think it's just sort of that understanding and through a design process of, of is where you know where we kind of push our push ourselves forward and um you know so far, so good again. And, 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 and you know, we, we, we're going to keep doing it. And it's a recipe that's worked for us. And, and you know, we think that um, it makes a lot of sense. So. Eric Robinson and Kevin Diebler together, they are the co-founders of Rody Architects. You can learn more about Rody Architects at rodiarchitects.com. It's R-O-D-E architects.com. We'll have a link to that on the show notes. Eric and Kevin, thank you very much for coming by and sharing your knowledge about Rody Architects and uh, hanging out with us here at Entree Architect Podcast. That's great. Uh, thanks for your time, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Take care. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. That's how Entree Architect Podcast will grow to serve thousands more architects just like you. Thanks to our sponsors, FreshBooks and RCAT for their support of this episode. Links to our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. Ready to edit business resources, live monthly business training for architects, a supportive architect community, and Simple Systems, our business system program developed for you, the small firm architect. It's all waiting for you at Entree Architect Academy membership, including AIA Continuing Education Learning Units. Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect friends at entrearchitect.com slash join. Enroll today at entrearchitect.com slash join. Thanks for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging. 
the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.